So my, my question for you this week is, when was the last time you gave up control of something? Doesn't count if it was taken from you. I'm going to repeat that. It doesn't count if it was taken from you. But when was the last time that you gave up control of something? I mean, like, willingly gave it up. How many of you are remote hogs in the room? Yeah, I hate to, only good. How many of you are lying right now? <laughs> Every family has one. Are you kidding me? I got one hand just now. The one who really struggles when someone else controls the volume, right? Like, that's what I do. I just, I constantly am adjusting the volume. I'm a, a remote hog. I, and my daughter also um, got that from me. She enjoys having the remote too. Everybody else in our family seems to be okay and doesn't have control issues around this, but, but Sarai and I really, we really love that remote. Um, so it's hard for me sometimes when it's someone else's turn to uh, adjust the volume. But there's this story that, uh, that Dallas Willard, who we are using a lot of Dallas Willard's work in spiritual formation, he was a um, lifelong philosopher, professor at USC, and spiritual formation writer, um, shaped the faith of an entire generation of pastors, to be honest, uh, with his book, The Divine Conspiracy, and some others. Um, but he was being interviewed by a guy named John Ortberg in 2013. It's actually the year of his death. Um, and, and he was asked a question about something that happened years ago in one of his classrooms. And, and so the story went that um, it was in the 90s, and he was giving a lecture um, at USC with, you know, a bunch of philosophy students. And you know philosophy students. Um, like to air out ideas, right? That's part of what learning is, part of what college is, you know, like to be, like, try to see things from fresh angles. So he had gotten done, and they always end with a discussion, not that different than maybe what we often do on a Sunday morning. And when, uh, when it came time to have some, some discussion dialogue, instead of just giving some fresh thoughts, one student came really combative and, and, and just raised their hand and attempted to essentially with really poor arguments, poorly thought out arguments. There was a lot of ego at play. Uh, just, just say why Dallas Willard's, you know, main idea was, was wrong. There were a couple of other professors in the back of the room at the time listening into this lecture. And, uh, and after this kid had gotten done saying his piece, uh, Willard looked around the class and he said, I think this is a good time to wrap up for the day. Have a great one, everyone. And the class left. And his professor friend came up to him and he said, Dallas, why on earth didn't you just, like, this was, this was an easy one. Like, why didn't you just put this kid in his place? He was, he was arrogant and he was so wrong and it was bad argument. And Willard said, I'm, I'm practicing the discipline of not needing to have the last word. I'm practicing the discipline of not needing to have the last word. It's now, I know this right now, what I'm about to talk about is not relevant to every single person, because not all of you deal with that particular thing, but it can be hard not to have the last word. It can be hard to embrace not getting our way in everything. In fact, we've often been told that getting our way is the most important thing. Setting the record straight, winning the argument, being in control, having the upper hand. The way of Jesus has never looked like this, however. To be shaped in the character of Jesus is to learn to embrace an upside-down world, that often flies in the face of dominant values. And one of those dominant values is control. So today our pathway to formation is something that certainly uh, 
we don't typically talk about. We've been doing a lot of that lately. Submission. Now, here's what some of you are immediately thinking and feeling right now um, because of the background and the experiences that you've had in your life. Submission means being told to shut up, to allow yourself to be devalued, to get walked all over, to be taken advantage of. Submission means losing your sense of self and called to be less than you actually are. I want to say, we'll talk a little bit about more, that more lately. I want to say two things. Number one, that's not okay, and that's not what we're talking about. And number two, there are still going to probably be phrases for some of you or blind spots from me as someone who in our society, so I'm right now, I'm literally the one on the stage with the voice and the microphone. I'm also a man. All right, so we have all of these dynamics that I'm asking you for grace here, um, and I'm also giving you permission to feel the way that you need to feel in the midst of this conversation. Some of you have been deeply devalued because of your gender and because of how certain passages of Scripture, specifically around the word submission, have been used. And it's been really damaging, and it's been almost an uphill battle for you just to trust Jesus after this. So... Please understand that I'm aware of that as we, as we lean into this here. But I want to suggest something else. I want to suggest that the discipline of submission actually means simply this, learning to release control. Learning to release the need for control. We really can't understand submission until we understand power. And so we have to look at how Jesus understood power and authority. Philippians 2 gives us a great example. Oh, I was supposed to show you that picture. I do this all the time. Supposed to, that's Dallas Willard. Okay. Um, so in, in the book of Philippians, Paul is writing, and he's writing and he's encouraging the people of the church in Philippi to, um, to respond in a certain way with their attitudes. But I want you to focus on Jesus right now. We'll get to the interpersonal stuff in a minute. But right now... Um, He's writing and he's encouraging them to, to not act out of their own selfish ambition, right? Vain conceit. Those are not the same things as acting out of your sense of self, right? Selfish ambition is the problem here. So rather in humility, value others above yourselves. So don't say this is all about me, right? Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships, have the mindset of Christ Jesus. Look at the ways that Jesus is described here. Who being in very nature God, all right? Being someone who had power, who had authority. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. So did not take the opportunities that he had for power and say, this is going to be about me, right? Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness, being willing to release power by the very nature of Jesus, of, of, of Jesus becoming and entering into humanity, there was a giving up of power, a making himself less by choice in order to reveal something greater. And being found in human appear, in, in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And the passage goes on to talk about how in this posture, God exalted him. Um, and, and used him, and this is what power and authority actually looks like. It doesn't look like this. It looks like this. Power, influence, incredible. So, power is flipped on its head 
in the world of Jesus. You lead by serving. You exert influence by coming under, not forcing over. Care and value of another is equally important, is as equally important as care and value of self. True power in the kingdom doesn't look like control. It looks like humility and trust. So we get this wonderful glimpse of literally the idea of submission um, in Jesus' story, in his self-giving character. There's this willingness to say to the Father, I trust you. In the book of Matthew, Jesus is in the garden shortly before um, he gives his own life up. And he falls with his face down to the ground. He prays, Father, if it's possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. Jesus says, listen, I want to, I have these feelings that I'd like to be in complete control. However, I trust you. I trust you. And we know that it was a willingness. That this was a transformation of will. That Jesus was absolutely willing to walk in a powerless way. Because he knew that it would reveal and redeem. It would redeem God's people and it would reveal the heart of God that had never truly been seen before. And so he was willing to do it. But there is this character that says within him, not my goals, but yours, Lord. And of course we can say, well, that was Jesus. And he was like superhuman. Right? And, and that's not, no, that's not true. Um, he was fully human. But he was filled with the spirit and the identity of God. And he gave that to his people. And we're called to follow him. So that means that we walk a life where our own ego also does not have the last word. Right? And so, so the way, again, Paul in his letter to the church in Galatia, the way he describes this, he says, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Look at, look at the focus. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So there's an understanding that my identity is now wrapped up. I don't have to fight for my own life. I've, I've released my own life so that I can take up life with God and find it in a new way. And Jesus uses very, very similar language. So there is beauty here in the self-giving that comes from the Spirit of Christ. Dallas Willard defines submission as abandoning outcomes to God. Abandoning outcomes to God. Period. So, so to say, Lord, I submit my spirit, my will to yours, doesn't mean we lose everything that we are that God has given us and the image of God that is in us. But it means I abandon my outcome to you. The spirit of submission says, God, I trust you. I trust your leadership. I trust your values and your ways of doing things in this world, even if it feels costly. I trust that the way of Jesus is better than anything I can pursue on my own. And I trust that you will guide me and that it will be enough and even good, right? We're overlapping this with with fasting, right? I don't need to get my own way. I don't need to constantly fight for myself in order to experience the goodness of life because you are enough. Now, that's easier said than done, right? This attitude, like, you are enough. I want to find contentment in God and release my need for control. That is really, really, really hard. Um, the, the late singer, Rich Mullins, had this old song called Hold Me, Jesus. Surrender don't come natural to me. I'd rather fight you for something I don't really want than take what you give that I need. Right? So there's this idea that we really do. We want to wrestle for all of our own control as much as possible, um, even if we, deep in the back of our mind, might believe that the way of God and the character of Jesus and the the way of the kingdom is better. Uh, But 
then as a result of actually moving toward this attitude of trusting Jesus in new ways, saying, I don't need to fight for control, Lord, then we find that we're freed to practice healthy submission in our relationships with one another. It's no longer about getting our own way because our identity is secure in Jesus. We can love freely in new ways, not preoccupied with self-promotion or self-protection on both sides. Um, it's fascinating. This language of submission, however misused it's, it's been, uh, it doesn't enter the story until after Jesus in the scriptures. Um, in the scriptures, it's, it's the early church, post-Jesus, that begins to talk about submitting to one another because of what they've seen in the character of Jesus. So we don't see much of this language in the Old Testament at all. Jesus reveals a new way of being and giving. And so therefore, the people of God all of a sudden begin to relate to each other in new and fresh ways. Um, so we see passages like Romans 12. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others, Right? So when we, when we choose to say we're in this thing together, we have a shared identity in Jesus and we are each enough, then we can belong to one another and care for one another because this, this power dynamic and struggle for who's in charge, it's not what controls us. Now here we go. And then there's a passage like Ephesians 21 that often so weirdly is completely ignored when we have the conversations from Ephesians. But... Ephesians 5, chapter 21, he's talking about how great God's love is right before this and, and how we live in that and we're not driven by our selfish desires but, but by the Spirit. It says, and further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Because of the way of Jesus, submit to one another. Okay, we see this, right? I don't know why we ignore this because the next sentence is, um, wives, submit to your husbands, Right? Now, interestingly, that word submit is only in this verse. It's not in the next verse in the, in the Greek. So it just says, and wives to your husbands. But they are talking about the same concept, but it's the same concept. That's the point. So Paul is giving this, this statement that says, listen, submit to one another. And then he's giving some examples. Wives to your husbands. And then just a few verses later, and husbands love your wives. Now, we don't think wives are not supposed to love husbands just because it's highlighted. We believe that Jesus has taught us to love one another. So for whatever reason, there was a, a need for that encouragement in this time and place. Husbands, love your wives sacrificially like Jesus. But wives, you're supposed to love your husbands too. Um, wives, submit to your husbands and, and, and don't get into these, these battles. But we're all submitting to one another. <laughs> so there's that happening too. So the goal is not, and by the way, later on this month, We'll do a full-on, probably Wednesday night, life seminar on gender and, um, and women in leadership in the scriptures and understanding uh, ways to approach all of that, okay, um, and, and gender roles and all of that stuff. So if you want to do a deep dive into that, we will give that, that chance. Um, but there's, there's this idea of, of belonging to each other. So there's so, so the way of Jesus that is repeated over and over again except for a couple contextualized verses that we seem to think are more important than other verses that are supported by the way of Jesus all through the whole witness of the Gospels. Um, oh, I don't know how to spell hierarchy. Is it I or E, please? I knew that. felt wrong. I've been spelling my name for too many years. There we go. All right. <laughs> other people always get that one wrong, too. So... 
the way of Jesus and the Jesus community and how we relate in the new world under Jesus, it's not a hierarchy where one person holds the power. It's also not a democracy, right, where the majority rules. Okay? So in a hierarchy, one person has all the power. In a democracy, it's just whatever the crowd decides. But in the way of Jesus, what we have is mutuality and community. Okay? Mutuality in community means that every person is deserving of respect, every person has dignity, and we actually work to care for everyone by coming under where there are needs, by giving up our own need for power to make sure that other people are valued in the way that is worth God giving God's own life for. That's how valuable each person is. So we learn then to practice looking out for each other, to practice submission to one another. Now what does that look like and what doesn't it look like? Let's go back to what we talked about at the beginning. Here's a very important caution. Do not let harm be done to you. We cannot turn the call to submit to one another into a legalistic command. It has to flow from the heart of Jesus and it must be nuanced. There are times when submission is dangerous and harmful and we need to name these things. Submission becomes toxic when it's not mutual. All right? It becomes toxic when it's demanded rather than self-imposed. If someone with power is telling you you must submit to them, this is not the way of Jesus. Okay? And many have been damaged by pulling a Bible verse out and not looking at the character of Jesus in the midst of it. So if it's demanded, if it's not mutual, if you're not both desiring to be self-giving and humble, it won't work. If it's demanded by one person rather than you saying, I want to give up my need for control so that I can learn the heart and love of Jesus. If it's not like that, it'll be toxic. If it becomes destructive to the identity or the dignity of any person, then it becomes toxic. If your own sense of self is taken away, that's something God's given you. Or when it's not grounded in the love and spirit of Jesus. So there are plenty of times where this word can be used to control, which is the exact opposite of what the scriptures are trying to point us to. And we need to be, we need to be very, very aware of that. Um, we're not denying the importance of self-advocacy here. All right? Advocating for yourself is about honoring God's image and value within us. If anything, it diminishes that value and the imprint of God uniquely on your life, being able to use your gifts, being able to express yourself um, in, in the opinions and the perspectives that you have and that you bring into the world. That's not what we're talking about. Um, and some of you have made incredible strides in finding your voice and growing in boldness after having to wade through a lot of this after being told you must be submissive, which means you, you must keep your mouth shut. And, and so I, I want to make sure that we are being really clear that this is not going to make you afraid that I'm saying that we must go in, into that direction, not in the least. But, but if you're ever walking into this, uh, we have the doors propped open here, so my, maybe not a great example, but like a lot of restaurants, you know how they have a little breezeway thing, whatever that's called? So if you're coming, and there's someone right behind you, a stranger, and, and you're trying to be kind, what do you do? You hold the door open, right? 
And after that action, what tends to happen in the next doorway? They hold the door, right? Then they hold the door for you. They say, thanks. That's mutual submission. Now, if I just am in a hurry and I just fling the doorway shut both times, that's fine, and that person will do the exact same thing. But what ends up happening is when we value and show the self-giving, even in small ways, the self-giving character of God, we often inspire others to do it too. Now, sometimes that doesn't work because we can't control another person's heart. But we need to understand that in a community like this, that's the opportunity. In a community like this where we have a shared center on Jesus, the opportunity is to inspire each other, right? To go under instead of trying to win, right? The baseball bat. Who gets to pick teams first? That was what the image was, if you weren't figuring that out. I don't even know if they do that anymore for, for picking teams and stuff. But we used to do that as a kid. It's like the sandlot generation. Um, so, so it's really important that we, that we lean into this, right? Um, now, there are times, right, when we can use all the pitfalls that we've talked about and all the abuses that have happened as a blanket reason to throw out the concept altogether. And that's what I actually want to caution us about. Um, because we can say, listen, I need my own autonomy. And there is some real truth in that when people have been mistreated. But when we do that, we miss out on growing in discipleship with Jesus and learning the beauty of mutual love and submission with each other. So it's worth doing the work, friends. Um, because when an entire community is doing this, the safety and the care and the support and the growth that can happen is absolutely incredible. When we all desire to serve one another, when our egos aren't, such, aren't at play. So where do we start practically? We have to examine our priorities, all right? We have to ask ourselves, do we feel the need to? And some of you are going to be like, but that's fine, that's good, right? I, I understand, I understand, but roll with me, all right? Do we feel the need to win everyone over? Or to win each argument? Or to prove that you're right and smart? Or to not do what someone else prefers because you want to do your own thing? Do you feel the need to always have the last word? Oh, this is such a hard one. Do you feel the need to never, ever be understood, to be misunderstood, right? Like, I always have to fight, make sure everybody gets, like, if someone misunderstands me, I have to make sure I hit it, hit it, hit it. Or to always be in control or to avoid discomfort. I just want you to ask yourself, Compare Jesus' actions to these things. Jesus was one who was willing to give up power and the need for control. Just compare the life of Jesus. Not needing to have the last word. There were times where Jesus so could have defended himself. And he chose to stay silent. That might not be the, the right choice all the time. But it might be some of the time. And so, so we, we learn to examine ourselves and say, whew, what are the things that pop out for me right now? Um, and, uh, and, and so there's, there's all of these things that, that we need to just invite Jesus to help us release whatever the needs we might have to hold on too tightly to get our own way. It might be in conversations with other people. It might be in relationships with our spouse. It might be in um, workplace realities or um, or holding something against a neighbor who did something stupid a while ago. It can look like so many things, and it can certainly look deep within our own spirit of trusting God more in leading us. Um, so, if these are the things that we first have to evaluate, then maybe let's talk um, about practical steps in healthy ways 
The first one is deeply personal, right? Um, identify whatever it is that might feel like a current control issue for you. What is an area that God is calling you to practice? Submission, release, not fighting for your own way. But you don't want to do it. Just take some time and journal and pray. Write it out. Process it with God. Allow God to begin working on our spirits internally. Okay, whatever that might look like. Um, there's another one, and that is uh, in just really small ways, try to relinquish power. Okay? Um, here's here's an a almost embarrassingly easy example. So on Sundays when I come, um, I park against the, the fence. <laughs> right? I'm the first one here, almost always. Not, ever, not this week. Some, one of you was parked out waiting for me. Um, but I try to park a little further away. So I don't take the power that's right here and get the closest spot and, and the nicest parking spot. Now, here's the thing. It costs me nothing. You should certainly not um, see me any more holy right now. It literally costs me nothing. I love walking. Um, but maybe it will help with the next argument that I feel the need to win because my mindset in some small way is on putting others first. But here's the other thing, and you know where I'm going. It totally can become, I am freaking incredible. Because I walk further than anybody else. And so then the next temptation comes to be like, I need to park, I need to park the farthest away. I, I need to always be the one who is the most self-giving. So when I was a youth pastor, a, a lifetime ago, it feels like now, I had this kid who had a great heart, but he drove me crazy because he had to be last in everything. So every time we would do a group meal with all the kids, he would constantly get out of line and go into the back. And then if somebody came in a little bit late, he'd come over here. He had to be the last one cleaning up the last chair. And I realized, this is not self-giving. This is you earning your place in God's sight by giving so much that you now know that you are worthy. And you're becoming arrogant about it. Like you need to leave 10 minutes before the last kid next time. And so we actually had to sit down and say, you know, I appreciate your servant mentality. Um, how do I say this? But I think it's like gone too far. You need to let other people sometimes be the one that picks up the last chair. Submit to that. So all of this stuff is so nuanced. You get what I'm saying? It's so nuanced because it's all about the heart and about humility. Because you, you can self-give and then you become self-righteous or I'm the only person that ever cares about other people here. I'm the only one that ever gives my time and energy. Those things will just rot at your core. And so it's got to be about the heart, friends. Can't be about the action. It's got to be about the heart. Everything flows from it. It's got to be about a heart that's captured by Jesus and that longs to love. Um, okay, so just in a real practical way, it might look like staying silent when you feel the temptation to try to win an argument or have the final word. Again, nuanced, because there might be times that it's very important that you have a meaningful dialogue with somebody or that you make sure that they understand that there are various points of view in something. But there might be times where really nothing's going to change and you just need to feel like you get that zinger in. Mm, time for maybe a practice of submission. Saying, I'm, I don't need to have the last word every time. Um, maybe ask a loved one what tangible love feels like to them. What, is, what, is lo what does love and care look like to you? What's helpful? 
and learning that that might not be the thing that's in your head, right? So find out, what does is, what is self-giving care look like? Ask them. Um, maybe it's forgiveness. Maybe what you haven't, maybe an area where there's a lack of submission is that you are holding on to power over somebody because of a mistake they made. And it's time to release that. Again, not opening yourself up to abuse or harm, but maybe submission looks like I'm going to have an attitude of power under and love and care back toward you instead of holding this thing over you. Um, and ask another's input on a decision that you're discerning. Very simple. We practice mutual submission by saying, I value your input here. I don't want to try to be in charge completely on my own. So that's a way to do it too. Uh, all right, so, so with all of that said, um, this is, I feel like this is literally just like scraping the surface, right? Like just barely touching on something. But I want us to redefine this whole idea of submission as releasing the need for control so that I can love and receive love in a more whole way, all right? Uh, <laughs> there's a benediction from um, a guy named Brendan Manning. He's a spiritual leader and writer, wrote a book called The Ragamuffin Gospel a long time ago. And, um, and there's a, uh, when, when he, at his ordination, the benediction for him, um, and he talked a lot about powerlessness, powerlessness, yeah, uh, and the benediction was, that was given to him at his, uh, at his ordination was this. May all of your expectations be frustrated. May all of your plans be thwarted. May all of your desires be withered into nothingness. That you may experience the powerlessness and poverty of a child and can sing and dance in the love of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, I didn't even know if I wanted to share that because I am not there but I think I'd like to be in some way. I'd like to be able to have an attitude that is that willing to give up my own need for power and control. Um, so, pray with me. Lord, this might bring up all sorts of emotions and feelings, and we just trust you to help us sort them out so that we can actually look more like you. Little ways and big ways. Help us, Lord. Uh, we do trust you. Even if we're having trouble, as a community witness right now, we proclaim that we trust your way together. Even if deep in my heart I might not be fully convinced. Help our relationships to be marked by mutual submission, God. Help us to not fight the need to be right, but instead the need to show love. To be the thing that leads us. The thing that helps us be marked as your people 